Did you find your Bibles, John chapter 5, either on your smartphone, tablet, real Bible, whatever you can find. We're going to look at John chapter 5, verses 1 through 15 uh, today. We have been looking at uh, last six weeks. Look at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Looked at some of the letters of John, some things. Now we're going to the Gospel of John for today. But over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at individuals who were introduced to Jesus for the first time. And uh, hopefully to help us with our Who's Your One, hopefully you've been praying about Who's Your One. We'll be talking about that in the service and as we come to the conclusion here in just a moment. It will be in March, the sermon series. Uh, I think the uh, working title now is uh, uh, Moving Ahead, It's About Time. Moving Ahead, It's About Time. I've been thinking about... uh, uh, what our uh, what good our mask will do as we move ahead, but I think they're good for. I have found that if you wear glasses, they'll come in great to be able to clean your glasses every time you need them. But hopefully that'll be a thing of the past. But we'll be talking about not physically, not those things, but how we might move forward in Christ uh, here in the next few days. But for today, we're in John chapter five, verses one through fifteen. This now is the word of God. John chapter 5 and verse 1 says, And after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Verse 5 reads, One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who had healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walked? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. You never can tell what circumstances might take place in order that you might take part in introducing someone to Jesus. A few years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention was in St. Louis, Missouri. We were going to go to the convention that year. and At the same time, my brother was living in St. Louis. He was in school. and So we were going to go there, go to the convention, stay a couple extra days and spend time with my brother and his wife. And uh, Before we went, I called the ticket office of the St. Louis Cardinals in order that I might get tickets to go to a baseball game. And while I was talking to the lady there, she in the conversation, sometimes she asked, she said, where are you from? You don't sound like you're from around here. Can't imagine that. But I said, well, I'm from... Uh, I'm from Alabama. She said, oh, we just, is that anywhere, do you live anywhere near Auburn University? It's because we just dropped our son off who's a freshman at Auburn University. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, yeah, as a matter of fact, my wife, Kelly, she works uh, uh, there near campus at uh, Baptist Campus Ministries at that time. And uh, I said, hey, we'll bring you something from Auburn when we come pick up our tickets. So we came and we brought her brought them an umbrella, maybe something, one or two other things from, and gave them to them, met her there at the will call desk and, and uh, talked with her there for a few moments. Now, we were really trying to be kind, but I was also thinking maybe this will get us better seats. 
It did not. I bought nosebleed seats and I sat in nosebleed seats. But during the game, she actually came and her husband came and they said about halfway through the game, came, sat with us through the rest of the game and we talked and talked as if we'd known one another all of our lives. Like, hey, this is the family. This is my brother and his wife. These are the kids, you know. We talked and she talked about her son that had come to Auburn and her son was an engineering student said he's doing okay in school, but he's very lonely because he doesn't know anybody. And as some of you know, 25,000, nearly 25,000 undergrads, sometimes Auburn can still be a lonely place. And uh, so Kelly took down the information, took down the address, phone numbers, and those kind of things, gave them to some of the students there at the Baptist Campus Ministries. And they actually got in touch and talked with him, got him involved at the Baptist Campus Ministries. And before long, he had prayed to receive Jesus and he was wonderfully saved. Wasn't long after that that he was baptized in the church here in Auburn and mom and dad drove down to be at the baptism. And afterwards, we met him for lunch and had our new friends. Ever since that time, uh, I've had all of my brothers have gone to St. Louis and I've got three and they've all through our friend in the ticket office have gotten free tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals game. I'm still waiting on mine. But, uh, well... In all sincerity, I'm just kidding, of course, we're glad to even play a small part in someone coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've got before you, given as you came in or they there in the chair back uh, that you have a Hoosier One card. We're going to be using those here in just a moment. But even during the time of this service, we want you to be praying about and thinking about who it may be that's lost or unchurched that you can begin to pray for as well as develop a relationship and invite, maybe even share. We're going to talk about it more than just these couple of weeks. We'll be talking about who's your one through the rest. We began to share with you here a few weeks ago or months ago about the vision plan for 2021 through 2030 over the next five and 10 years. And in that vision plan, we know the big part of that is reaching more people for Jesus. And we know that it takes not just one, not just a few, but all of us, imagine all of us being a part of sharing or taking smaller big parts in sharing about Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if you're a believer here today, I'm pretty sure that the Lord wants to use you to introduce someone to the cross of Christ so that they might be able to come and be a part of the family of God. Notice the last verse we read, verse 15 of John chapter 5. It says, The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. It could be as simple as telling someone it was Jesus that made the change in your life. In this story, Jesus seemed to ask a question that seemed to be a pretty obvious question. Do you want to be healed? It'd be like asking somebody who is sick with the COVID today, would you like to be, would you like to not be sick? Or ask somebody, would you like to be free of COVID from here on out? Well, the answer seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? If you ask somebody that question. So here's what we're going to do with the verses today. Is we're going to look at some obvious lessons for us or maybe what should be obvious as we look at the story today. And I want to tell you today, I believe that the Lord has an obvious, a particular obvious lesson for everyone who is here today. He, Lord, knew that you were going to be here and maybe you didn't know what that lesson is or what the Lord wanted to teach you today, but there's a particular obvious lesson. It's my prayer that you, it will be obvious by the time we leave here today. Now, the first of those that we see, you need to notice someone who is in need. It's an obvious lesson, I think, from the story that we read. Multitudes of people are in need physically. Many more are broken or hurt or crippled spiritually or because of sin. Today, if you go to Jerusalem, You'll find northeast corner there of old Jerusalem, there's a church called St. Anne Church and they've excavated underneath and within that church and they found two pools which they believe to be the pools of Bethesda, sometimes called Bethsaida. 
Now, Bethesda means probably more than one thing, but it's probably most common understanding is house of mercy or house of grace, located at the northeast end of old Jerusalem where the scripture says there was located the sheep gate. Sheep gates mentioned in the Old Testament in Nehemiah when he rebuilt the wall and uh, sheep gate is mentioned here. I don't know, I wonder if John, when he was writing this thing, maybe he remembered perhaps when John the Baptist said to him and to another disciple said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And he thought of Jesus. There he's going to near the sheep gate because he is the good shepherd. And what's he doing? He is going in order that he might be able to search for lost sheep. In the covered porches around the pool of Bethesda, there were scores of people who were crippled, lame, and blind. I really want you to pay close attention to the story. Look at verses 2 and 3 there again. It says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay, what does your Bible say? Mine says, translation, a multitude of individuals, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Some say a number, some say uh, many. While, while we seem to be surrounded today enough with sickness and illness in this world, the scene at Bethesda, it may have been like the scene during the height of COVID-19 cases this past year in an ER. Some of you saw it maybe up close and firsthand, either because you were sick or because you're a healthcare worker. Others of us maybe just heard of it to where they were laying people on uh, in rooms, any bed they could find in the hallways, or sometimes simply putting them in a wheelchair and wheeling them up face into a corner so that they wouldn't breathe on one another. Well, it may have been a similar scene that took place at the pool of Bethesda where they were laying on old rags or old mats, not in any kind of order or anything, just there waiting in hopes that something might happen and that somebody uh, might be healed. Now, uh, we realize that we've heard of these places that uh, healthcare workers were even overwhelmed according to the sickness that took place. Can I tell you, it's not the first time that places of sickness and even places of healing have been overwhelmed and it will not be the last until Jesus comes again. At Bethesda, there we're laying around. It was a place in which perhaps multitudes, the Bible tells us, so perhaps it'd be overwhelming for anyone who think they could do any of these people any good. It's a reminder we live in a fallen world. And if you're sick going through difficulties, no matter what they may be, you may have thought at some time, what have I done to deserve this? If you're going through a particular difficult time, you're thinking that I'm probably getting paid back for something that I've done wrong in the past. Or you're maybe thinking God may not like you very well. Well, let me tell you that God doesn't work like that. Let me tell you that God is for you. He's not against you. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came and was placed on the cross for our sins, he proved that he is one that loves us and is doing everything that he can to bring people to him and to bring God's people even closer. And he's doing that even today. But also I want you to look beyond yourself in your own life and realize that there are scores of people who are hurt and broken, not just physically, but spiritually. Some are lonely and they're in need of direction and purpose. And even in this room, we know that there are spiritual needs, physical needs. We know in this very room and in this place, it is, it is my prayer that before the day or this hour is done that you will turn those needs over to him. But you'll also realize during this time that we, it is that we want to ask the Lord to help us to see other people who are in need. And like Jesus, 
may we not see people as a mass of unrecognizable faces, but people and persons for whom Jesus died and all are able to meet and know Christ in a personal, intimate way. I want you to imagine Jesus at the feast that day as he comes. The Bible says there's a feast and he comes to Jerusalem. We're not told which feast or which Jewish holiday it was or holy day. Most believe it was probably Pentecost because of the crowds that took place celebrating the spring harvest time. And they've come to this place and Jesus finds himself going to the place where all of the invalids were laying, multitudes of people there in the northeast corner of Jerusalem. It's a place where the tourists didn't go in those days. They do now because of the Pool of Bethesda and St. Anne Church. But in those days, in fact, most people probably avoided that place. But Jesus comes and he's not just coming to look for the masses, but he's, he's coming to look for the one. He's there to find the man who'd been crippled for 38 years. Well, why this man? Multitudes of people. Why this one? Was, was he the neediest? He'd been, uh, he'd been lame for paralyzed for some 38 years, and that's a long time. Maybe he was the one who shows the most faith. I think if you read the story and understood it, you know that that's not the case because as we'll talk about here in just a second. It is the fact that he probably did not have much faith or any hope before receiving Christ. I believe Jesus came. He's looking for this one man simply because of the grace of God and God's choosing and proof that God loves everybody, but he loves everyone. He loves every individual. Now, now you consider for a moment where you're going to be this week. You, where are you going to be this week? Doing what kind of things are you going to be doing? I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But God's going to put you in a place to where he wants you to touch someone so that we say it like it's on your, you will see or think of a person in need for whom the Lord has chosen to touch through you if you're willing. This passage helps us to be aware of people in need. Sometimes when you least expect it or even unaware, the Lord will open your eyes to someone you can help. And if you're faithful and obedient, the Lord gives you that opportunity. This is what we want to do in these days. And I mean these days today and emphasis on who's your one as we move forward uh, in Christ and move, move forward in Him. We want to be sure to emphasize the fact that let us be aware and pay attention to the people and the needs around us and those people who need encouragement, those who need the love of Jesus and touch those who need to hear the gospel and the message. There's another lesson for this past. should be obvious to us. The hopes of this world will leave you and others in the same or worse condition. The false hopes of this world will leave you and others in the same or worse condition. The, the invalid people in John 5 were at the pool of Bethesda because of a myth. Why were they laying around the pool? I believe it was probably, the, the pool there was watered by an underground spring and it was believed that from time to time an angel would come and stir the water. And whoever got in the water would be healed. Now, depending on your translation, you didn't have a verse 4. I don't know if you noticed or not, but there wasn't a verse 4 because it, older manuscripts do not contain this verse, but it gives an explanation of what they were waiting on. And also, probably not only because of that, because it was not true. As an underground spring at certain times at high tide or a certain increase in the water table, sometimes the water would appear to be stirred. And uh, they... Uh, would appear, of course, and they thought that it was an angel. Of course, they didn't know how it got stirred except for explaining by an angel. Now, I'm not trying to explain away miracles or say that God could not use 
an angel to stir the water to bring about miracles. But this appears to be a false hope and more of a superstitious belief than a true miracle of God where people should place their hope. You and I probably both know people who are so desperate of a need that anything that might bring some hope, they would put faith in and give promise of, only at times to be left in the same or worse condition. Now, the Bible does not say how long the man had been lying waiting at the pool, but he'd been an invalid for 38 years. So it's possible that most of his life, his belief and his only hope was getting into the pool first, next time that it was stirred. You can imagine the first year that he was placed there, maybe as a young man, and he's thinking, all I've got to do is get into the pool. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've got... I've got hope and I've got faith and no matter what it takes, I'm going to be first. And a year goes by and he didn't get in. Second year, maybe not all hope is lost. He's thinking by this time next year, surely I'll be able to get in the pool. Then another year came by and another year and another. 38 years have gone by and now he is at the pool, maybe because he has nowhere else to go or maybe a family or friend has left him there every day, but simply because there is nowhere else uh, to be. Consider the pool of Bethesda, which has many invalid people in varying forms of handicaps and illness. When the water moves, it's only the most capable that will be able to get into the water first. And maybe it just appears that person has experienced miraculous healing to all those around. Perhaps it's someone with a little capability and convinced that something is better because of their desire and they've won the race to get into the pool. I share this because what is important is not just faith in something or faith in your own faith, but what's most important is faith in Jesus. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only answer to the difficulties and problems that people face today. Answers to life's questions and difficulties without Jesus are only myths which leave us just the way we are or even worse. Some of you in this room may have already had your COVID-19 vaccine. Listen, I'm for it. My doctor's had it. Doctor tells me I should have it. So I'm, I'm good. I haven't had it yet, but I've had it. I asked the first service, by the way. I'm not going to ask you, but I asked the first service, how many of you have at least one shot of COVID-19? Three-fourths of our first service. So if you want to come to a service that has, uh, they've had all their shots, maybe that's, this is the place to come. You come to the first service. Will the shots for COVID-19 leave you better? The best it can do is get you physically back to the place you were on March 12th, the day before we all went into hiding. It could leave you worse if you have decided you're going to put more faith in the government or more faith in medicine than you are in Jesus. Ah, but it's our hopes that even through the things that are going on here today that our faith instead has increased. This is just an illustration. I'm for the vaccine, but I'm for trusting in Jesus even more. So let you and I do a quick faith check for a moment today. Where are you placing your faith? Are you placing your faith in good works? Many people are today, even if they don't say it. Some people, some believers, some church members put their faith in Jesus plus good works. But that's going to leave you short because it's got to be only in Jesus. Is it in uh, giving to the church? Is it in your giving? Is it a church, being a good church worker? Is it in being not unkind? It's amazing to me how many even church folk, when they talk about being kind, what they really mean is that they try not to be mean. But you understand, being not unkind is not the same thing as being kind. 
you just not do anything, I guess, and think you're okay. But anyway, even being kind is going to leave you shorthanded if that's what you're placing your faith in because you're blessed by health, blessed by health and finances or oh, the Lord has seen you through. And you think, I put my faith in the fact that I'm healthy, I'm financially okay, but all these are considered myths or superstitious faith. Your place must be in Jesus, your only source of hope. The Bible teaches no matter... If life is good, tough, or indifferent, no matter, we need to trust in Jesus and help others to do the same. The text helps us to understand what should be an obvious lesson, and that is this. There is hope. No matter what the problem, no matter who you are, there's hope. No matter what the problem, no matter who you are. Notice in your Bibles in verses 6 and 7, once again, one translation says, Jesus saw his condition and learned how long it had been. But other translations say, and the one that we read he, they, Jesus knew that he had already been there a long time. We can be sure that Jesus knows the plight, our plight, and knows the plight of everyone, and he always has compassion, and he offers hope. Jesus asked the question, or what should have been maybe the most obvious question in verse 6, do you want to be healed? Well, yes, Captain Obvious. He probably had not seen the commercial, but you think he might have said that, or of course I do. You think he would have jumped at the chance, but he did not necessarily jump at the chance. In fact, his answer shows of his deep need. He says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up and while I'm going another steps down before me. His answer actually does reveal his physical condition. He's helpless, can't help himself. He's hopeless. He has by now lost all hope. No one's going to get me in that pool. It's my only hope. He's without a friend. He has no one to help him. After 38 years, the man had a mixed understanding about God's grace. He thought, well, he believed in God. He believed even an angel maybe could help him, but only for those who were of the fittest, only of those who got there first, maybe only of those who were strong and certainly not the weak. We know he felt abandoned because of his answer, blaming his condition and others for his lack of help and hope. But there's a principle here, and it should be obvious here and obvious in other parts of the Bible, about the last shall be first. This paraplegic was without hope according to the world. Jesus often, though, chooses the overlooked to be chosen by Christ, just like he chose me. Jesus did not choose to heal him because he had faith. It's clear. He, he had, did not have faith. He had lost all hope of being healed. It was not because he was next. If anything, he was the least likely and among the overlooked and he was there so long. Consider the one whom Christ chooses. He often chooses the one who'd be the last for the team. He chooses the one who's not so popular that he would sit at the popular table at lunch. He chooses the one that maybe be overlooked for the promotion. He chooses the one who may be lonely. God has a place for you in the fellowship of the kingdom. He chooses the weak and the foolish to confound the strong and the wise. In the condition of this invalid man, it's the same condition of every lost person and of you and me. And that is that we were helpless, unable to help ourselves. We were hopeless, no hope apart from Christ. And not friends, but enemies of the cross. Some may be friends of this world, but they need a friend like you to tell them about Jesus because all of their life, like the man, they're spiritually paralyzed because of sin until they meet Jesus. 
It's another kind of obvious question, the obvious lesson I think we have from this. It is see the possibilities and not the problems. See the possibilities and not the problems. Jesus saw the man and not just how he was, but how he could be. And at that moment, he touched his life and healed him. And he told him in verses 8 and 9 to take up his mat and walk. And he just, just as Jesus told him and as John is telling the story in the gospel, we come to the end of verse 9. He tells a story. and we, If we stop before we got to the last phrase in verse 9, we might think, well, this is a wonderful story. Jesus healed him. But then it was a dum 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 dramatic change moment of those now that day was the Sabbath. Not a big deal for us, even though we celebrate resurrection on Sunday, the Lord's Day. Sabbath was Saturday. But all was a big deal to the Jews. And big deal to the Jewish people. Because they saw the man that was walking. And they had strict rules about what you could do and not do because he was carrying his mat. We still debate sometimes what's okay on the Lord's day. A little bit, maybe not near as much in that day, and maybe we should even more, but rule of thumb of what to do on Sunday. It's always okay to do good on the Lord's day. Jesus did good on the Lord's day. It's always okay to do good. Unless there's something to do that is better. For instance, sometimes we see Sunday as a family day. Nothing wrong with that. Family dinners. Used to, the family would take a drive. I never knew why they take a drive on Sunday, but they take a drive on Sunday, maybe find themselves at the Dairy Queen or somewhere. Just a good family thing to do. Nothing wrong with that. Unless there's something that's better, and that is to find your family and worship together, your Lord and Savior, on the day that we celebrate the resurrection every week. And that we might be able to learn, have Bible study with others as well. Good can be the enemy of best. But when the Jewish leader saw the man healed carrying his mat, they objective. Now, if we were hearing this story for the very first time, or maybe even as we read it today, how could anybody object to an invalid being healed after 38 years? Nobody knew what he's doing. We, we always know they consider Jesus a lawbreaker because he had already healed on the Sabbath and this would not be the last time. But this time they seemed to be angered at the man, not because healing took place. Why are they angry at him? He's carrying his mat. How dare you carry your mat? On the Sabbath, if God's people would spend as much effort doing kingdom work and glorifying God as much as they were worried about man-made rules and traditions, we, a lot of kingdom building would take place and the Lord would be pleased. It's true in that day and it's also true as well today. Now, don't be surprised if someone does not depend or respond to kingdom work in the same way the Jewish leaders responded. Not, not everyone reacts to merciful acts in the same way. There will be somebody usually always to object maybe sometimes for a new idea or new ministry. Now, I don't know, it may just be a Baptist thing because the very first question somebody asks if you want to do something new is, how much does it cost? Or, <laughs> what, do you, what does it require of me? What are, you, what are you asking of me to do? Really what he went on is how many problems will it cause? When we ought to be thinking is how many people will it reach? With his help, we'll tackle all the problems. All the Jewish leaders saw was the problem that rather than rejoicing the man who was healed, rather than saying, congratulations, wow, what a miracle, glory to Yahweh. None of those things. They said, what, you, what you're doing is unlawful. Keep in mind, Jesus and the former paralytic did not break any of God's laws, only man-made laws. 
What I want you and I to see is that we might be able to notice those people who are in need physically and spiritually and we need to see beyond the problems and see the possibilities. Also, it's not all about you and me. It's all about pleasing Jesus and reaching more people. I'm thankful for you, Parkway Baptist Church, because I really do believe that you as a church, and I'm glad to be a part of you, is that you see more possibilities than you do problems. I really believe that. And I think I've seen you go from us, go from being a church with potential, word that we don't use quite often anymore because we're now a church with possibilities and even more that a church moving forward with purpose. Now, we're far from perfect, you understand. We've still got a long way to go. But thank you for being that kind of church and continuing to be. And it is my prayer that individually these may be the things that we are as well. Another obvious lesson, tell someone the truth about yourself and Jesus. Tell somebody the truth about that you belong to Jesus. The, the Jewish leaders told the man who was cured, you cannot carry your bedroll like that, it's illegal. And then the man told them the only thing that he knew, he said, well, the man who healed me, he's the one that told me to take up my bed and walk, and that's what I'm doing. I think if he'd, I think he said if he'd have told me to disco dance after healing, I would have done that very thing. How do you know what disco dancing was? The Jewish leaders asked, "Who would have told you to do that thing? Not who healed you, not who brought this great miracle, but who told you to take up your bed and walk? Who dared tell you that?" But the man couldn't say, for he didn't know who Jesus was yet. But Jesus did not leave him without direction for he finds the man and he introduces himself. It's important here to notice Jesus finds him among the multitude and then he finds him again so that he might be able to introduce himself. Jesus sought him out. Here's a principle we don't overlook. Jesus will not leave you unaware. He is near. You may so under sometimes you're going through difficult times. Lord, what are you up to? Lord, what's happening? Lord, I'm not sure what to do next. But I can tell you that the Lord is near. And we're told to wait upon the Lord. Psalm 27, 14 says this. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Sometimes the waiting is a time of testing. Sometimes it's a time of strengthening. Sometimes it's a time of building your faith and drawing you closer to Him. But this you can know for sure. He will not forsake you. I thought it's significant. Where did Jesus find the man? Feel free to cheat. Where did you? He found him in the temple. Man was healed. He at least knew enough that this must be of God. Maybe not been able to be in the temple as a paralytic would not be able to go into the temple for the first time in 38 years. He's able to go in the temple and that's where Jesus finds him. And we realize he may not have known and healed him, but he knew it had something to do with God. James 1.17, talking about, I believe even... Uh, COVID shots and those kind of things. Every good gift comes from the Lord. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Do you think more people should be seeking after God during these difficult times over the last year? Do you think more people should be seeking after God now that there's a cure when there was not before? And I believe the Lord has provided all good gifts. Yeah, I believe it. We don't know necessarily that's going to be the case. But I believe more people should be seeking after Jesus. Larry King died a couple of weeks ago. 
87 years old, eight wives. Larry King was Jewish. Sometime back, I saw a, uh, I'll tell you how far back, but it was on the light, late night show with David Letterman, and he was interviewing Larry King. And both of them interviewed people, of course. And so, he, so David Letterman asked Larry King, said, who would you, uh, said, if you could interview anybody living or dead, who would it be? Without hesitation, he said, Jesus Christ. He said, yeah, David Letterman, what would you ask him? He said, I'd, I'd ask him if he was really born of a virgin. And there was a deathly silence. David Letterman looked at the camera and said, we'll be right back after these messages. How people need to know it's true. The Jewish born Messiah is the Son of God who's come to take away the sins of the world, who died on the cross for each one of us so that we might be able to have life. He rose again so that we might know that He conquered death. He lives today in all those who know Him and He has a home waiting for all those who have placed their faith in Him as well. Jesus finds the man and tells who He is and he tells him, and we have these odd words, perhaps stop sinning or something worse may happen. Or it could be worse than being an invalid for 38 years and eternity without Jesus in a place called hell. Jesus was not saying that he could earn a way to heaven if he stopped sinning, but it does show that Jesus' concern was not only for the physical, but also and primarily for his spiritual well-being. We're, uh, we're left in the dark a little bit. I mean, we're not told that this man became a follower of Jesus. But we are told, what did he do next? I like to think that he did because the very next thing he did, he went to the Jewish, to the Jews, it's a word that means Jewish leaders. And what did he tell them? He said, you'll know the man who told me to take up my mat and walked. It was Jesus. You want to know who healed me on the Sabbath? It was Jesus. It is what we need to be finding people and telling them. You don't know the difference that what's happened in my life, the change has taken place. It was Jesus. You know, want to know what it is that sees me through difficult times, helps me through the valleys, enjoy the mountaintops. It's Jesus. For those who want to be made well and those who want to know how, tell them his name is is Jesus. There are people who need to be introduced to Jesus. The Lord wants you to make the introductions. We're going to look for opportunities to be able to do that very thing. We can't save anyone, but all we can introduce them to Jesus. We can take small parts and big parts, whether it be through prayer, invitations, sharing the gospel, sharing our story telling people that it was Jesus. You have a Hoosier One card that we want you to maybe take in hand if you don't have that already. In the moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. Hopefully, you've been praying. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks and someone that uh, is unchurched or who is lost, we encourage you to put that name on there. Put the initials if you'd like or first name, whatever you'd like. Or maybe if there's, uh, maybe right now you can't think of anybody that you know who is lost or unchurched and it happens in our Christian circles. Well, Right on there, I'm praying for the Lord to give me someone. And we'll be praying for that very thing with you along with that. Let's have a word of prayer together. And then we'll have, go through the process and then we'll have our invitation time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now. Thank you for this 
story once again, this real happening when someone was introduced to Jesus. We know, Father, it continues to happen. And we pray that we might be a part of it. We pray, Father, even now that you may be laying upon our hearts someone, maybe even more than one, who needs to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And we want to commit to praying for during this year and look for opportunities to be able to introduce and open doors. We pray, Father, if there's one here today or one listening today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, maybe came as a guest, just happened to, on our live stream and no intention of any life change, but today you want to bring them life change. I pray this become obvious that you love them and how they can become part of the family of God. And even now, I pray that they may repent of their sin, ask Christ to come in, be Savior and Lord. And Father, may we turn all of our needs as well over to you at this time so that we might be able to come usable vessels for you. We lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.